Welcome to Schooling the Podcast. I'm your host, Davina, and I'm so excited for this week's episode. I'm joined by my friend all the way from the Philippines. She's currently in her third year of speech language pathology at the University of the Philippines, Manila, and works on multiple advocacy organizations such as Cope Up and the Hope Project. She is a pleasure to work with and is such a great person all around. This is my friend, Adrienne. Hi, Adrienne. Hi, hello everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Davina's podcast. It's an honor to be here. I think Davina oversold my introduction earlier. <laughs> But yes, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure having you. Um, first and foremost, how are you? How are things? I'm doing all right, I guess. For the most part, talking to you will be a quick, quite a, a break from my usual routine. Since the online classes uh, in the Philippines have been starting, so my semester has been starting. And, you know, aside from my academic load, this is a good way to catch a breath. Yeah, I'm so glad that you had time to schedule me in. I was so afraid that I wasn't going to talk to you anytime soon, so I'm glad that we have this chance. Yeah, of course. You make time for the things you want to do, right? Yeah. It's just about time management. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Um, so a wee bit about you. I know my introduction was probably uh, brief, but <laughs> for those who don't know you, maybe can you introduce yourself a wee bit? Um, okay. Hi, everyone. My name is Adrienne Luis Dominguez. It's quite long, but you can call me Ayel or Adrienne as the female does. I am, as she said, a, third, a year three in speech-language pathology. So it's quite... Uh, a very specific uh, program where you deal with uh, allied health or allied medical professionals. And basically we help people in uh, if they have struggles or disorders in spoken language, language itself, speech, swallowing, and cognition. And yeah, I have a lot of advocacies. I'm a mental health advocate and a gender advocate and of course everything that scopes in between those two awesome that's so nice it's so nice that your your degree number one is a fantastic and b the fact that you have time to work on advocacy i aspire to to be that i i don't have much experience with advocacy so um, that's something that i i look up to you in that way yeah thank you thank you i think it's great to have these things that are in between your academics like for you you have this podcast and for me it's you know a different league from what i do and honestly with the online work it's kind of hard to um be active in all of these personally i actually took a time off with some of my organizations because I feel like the online workload of school right now is really difficult, especially with, uh, since it's online, you have to have your eyes on the screen for a long time of the day. And it gives me, you know, headaches and eye strain. And it's a completely different, uh, how can I say this, for hardship from the physical workload of work. Yeah, definitely. I can I can sort of sense that with a lot of people. That it has been sadly the running theme of this podcast, having to <laughs> be so stressed out about, you know, online school and things like that. But 
Um, you said that you had to take a step back from your advocacy. Do you feel like if things were to be physical, that would be a bit more easier on you? Oh, um, I feel like it would be more manageable. But I, when I said I took a step back, like I'm not heading several projects right now because usually I head a bunch of projects. So I'm just a member and, you know, participating in the organization still. But then again, I feel like when it comes to the difference between the physical and the online setup, in the physical setup, it's very clear when to define that, oh, this task is over, I get to do something else. When I leave this meeting, it's done. Everything in that meeting is done. But when it's an online setup, you see, it just carries over with whatever you're doing. So after the meeting, you still need to send texts to those who can't attend or summarize the meeting or do other stuff like that. And I guess that extra workload, it's kind of, it, it's going to compound eventually. And when it all compounds, it's kind of heavy load to deal with as well. Yeah, definitely, I agree. and. You know, the lines are, like you've mentioned, the lines between work and play are so clearly defined when it's physical. Mm -hmm. And right now, because everything's online, literally people are using dining tables as work tables. And there's no Uh association between work and, you know, family time and play time. Oh, it's a scary time to be alive. Don't you agree? That's true. That's true. Are you having problems as well? Like dividing the workload and all that. Yeah, definitely I am. I am because it's so difficult for me to to sort of, as I said, dissociate. It's so difficult because everything's happening on this little table here. Like the food's here, the work's here, the play's also here. And it's, like you said, overlapping. There are times where I'm sending emails at like 3 a.m., 4 a.m., and there's no reason for me to be sending these emails at that time. But it's right. all in the name of getting work done. So it's quite stressful in that sense. Yeah, and that's true. I feel like uh, one of the issues with that is that when we were physically doing stuff, like going to school, when we go at home, like our minds would shut down and say, okay, it's time for rest. But now everything is done at home, especially, I don't know if, what, what do you do in your pastime, but sometimes I play online games so or watch movies on my phone and or on my laptop. So the lines between work and play really blurs out because then again, if I work, I look at the screen. And then if I took time off for leisure, I still look at the screen. So... It's quite, you know, mind-boggling to be here. Yeah, it's just perpetually looking at the screen. And it's also, you know, people sometimes as well, other people as well, like sometimes I want to like take time off and just do my thing. But then there's there are other things that I constantly have to attend to. You know, there's always that notification that just pops up and it's like, oh, you have to do this, 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 and this. And then you have to attend to that. It's, you know, it's a difficult time. Yeah, I feel like the pandemic also robbed us with a lot of opportunities that we could have done, you know, physically. Like, for example, the ASEAN Korean Youth Summit that we both attended quite recently. If not, of the, if not because of this pandemic, we could have met 
like physically and bonded with more pictures of you know different locations in South Korea but here we are we're still sitting at the same desk that we had when we did that summit yeah still looking at the screen right (laughs) yeah yeah it would have been you know I actually think about my life and the whole like the way online education has taken place and sort of the opportunities. And I really, truly regret that one opportunity where we didn't have, we didn't get a chance to go to Korea because of the fact that it's the pandemic and, you know, COVID and things like that. That's literally the one regret I still have. And it's so sad. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> well, at least, you know, we get to get new friends. Uh, look at us now, still talking to each other. Uh, after the summit and I guess it's still an experience a collective experience especially for our generation those who are studying in college you know college is supposed to be the time of your life where you you go out you party if that's your thing you go to movies whenever you want to you eat out with your friends and it's just taken away from us you know so it's there's sort of a grief also at the beginning of the pandemic when things were really sinking into you that oh school are suspended i remember specifically in the philippines um our school it started with a one-week suspension and it was like oh yes finally a rest from schoolwork we get to go home to the provinces spend time with the family we do our backlogs your academic backlogs you catch up you get to study more for your next exams and then that one week turned into a month and we were like wait wait a minute what are we supposed to do here and then that month became two months and then I'm not sure if your listeners are aware, but in the Philippines, we have, uh, quote-unquote, the longest-running lockdown in the entire uh, planet. Yeah, basically, we're in about, I guess it's more than a year since we've been on lockdown since. Whoa. Yeah, it's pretty hard. But when it comes to talking about the lockdown, though, there's, different types of, uh, not really severities, but strictness when it comes to like several locations, several provinces have uh, lighter restrictions. Some provinces have stricter restrictions because, uh, you know, for cities that are densely populated, they really need to contain people in. So there's that, but uh, technically it's still a long lockdown, you know. Was there ever a moment where they sort of briefly opened it up for everyone? Or that never did? Yeah. That did? Oh, they they did. Actually, it's quite confusing. And I don't want to lambast our government in this podcast. Because it will take another to actually talk about that. I'm kidding. But but actually, um, the restrictions are kind of like, they're trying to loosen it up. But then there'll be a spike of cases once again so they'll tighten and tighten it back and i don't know i think we're still in 20,000 cases a day we're still registering that so yeah i don't know how long it will last but the vaccine rollout has been pretty much consistent recently so we're pretty 
looking forward to that herd immunity for everyone. Yeah, definitely. And it's also an interesting time for the Philippines. Like you have elections coming up soon. Yes, that's true. We have elections uh, coming up uh, next year on May. But of course, you know, a year before the election, the the candidates start, you know, popping up everywhere. Yeah. So it's kind of all around fuzziness. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting how, you know, a lot of the times, a lot of other things stay still during the pandemic. But then you see a lot of other things skyrocketing and getting a head start on things. That's true. Well, you know, life really does go on. That's and you just true. need and find things to cope with. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Life goes on. Pandemic or no pandemic, there's still school. There's still elections. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Uh, yeah. Uh, thank you so much for, for sort of giving us a bit of a rundown and how things are like. Uh, especially with online education. Um, just to, for those of us that don't know, because I'm not too familiar with the, with the education, education system in Philippines. So how does that like look like? How, how would you start off? Yeah. Right. I think it's quite different to Malaysia's because I feel like you're more similar to the British schooling system, right? Are you? I, or No. I, we are a weird mix of everything. It's scary. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> but basically, um, we have elementary school. We have high school. Quite recently, they added senior high school and then university or college. Wait, so what's so, senior high school? <laughs> okay. Um, in 2012, they added senior high senior high school, which is basically two additional years of schooling. Um, before that, uh, as I said before, we had elementary school. Elementary school is usually six years. And then before elementary school, you either go to kindergarten or preschool. Right, yeah. Yeah, so mm -hmm. there's kindergarten one, kindergarten two, and then you go to the grades one, two, three, four, five, six for elementary school. And then after that, you go to high school, which was four years of high school. So uh, first year, second year, third year, fourth year. But then again, after that, uh, we realized, like the government realized that we only had 10 years of primary education, which was, I think we were the last few countries in the world that has a 10-year primary education. So they realized they needed to be on par with other countries, which has usually 12 years. So in 2012, they added senior high school, which is two more years. So what happened to high school was the first year of high school be became grade seven, and then eight, nine, 10. So that's junior high school. And then they added the two more years, which is grade 11 and 12. I see. And then after that, when you graduate senior high school, technically you graduate high school as well. And then you go to uh, technical vocational school if you want to or university. 
university and college for us it's the same it just depends on like the i think there's a different category if the school is a university or a college but generally it's a bachelor's education yeah right okay so what year do you graduate from senior high school i graduated in 2018 and and how old were you then not that you know oh, you want to know i was 17 but... it's I okay it's okay i okay. was 17 yeah uh technically i studied a year earlier than my batchmates so the goal the goal for the senior high school is that when uh the children graduate a uh, mandatory education or high school they're 18 years old so if they wanted to uh work or join the workforce they would be in their legal age right yeah because before uh you graduate high school technically at 16 and some people really can't afford to go to college or that they don't want to go to college so they need to work or find work at 16 which isn't the legal age in the philippines which is 18 ah, yeah it's quite interesting as well the concept of senior high school because um in senior high school those additional two years you have the option to take a vocational course or an academic course a sports related track or an arts related track so uh for the vocational courses instead of aside from getting your high school diploma you also get certifications for the various things that you go to like example if you want to uh practice carpentry if you want to do bartending or uh, sewing or baking or something like that you can get certifications for that as well so that if after you graduate high school or senior high school you're 18 and you're ready to go to the workforce i think that's the main goal i see i see so instead of what would be lowering the age or the legal age they've sort of decided to increase the time that people spend in school so that when people come out they are of legal age i see that's mm-hmm. very interesting hmm nice yeah they also did that because until up until high school we have, we have public schools that actually provide schooling that is free i mean we also have you know public state universities but compared to like basic mandatory education like every filipino has a right to get this mandatory education which includes uh, a kindergarten elementary junior high school and senior high school which is a good thing Yeah it is yep definitely we have something similar in Malaysia in that mm-hmm. our primary schools are mandatory so uh but yeah i don't think secondary school is not uh, mandatory we have a mandatory six oh, years of primary but not secondary if i'm not mistaken but then after primary school uh that's six years right Yeah, your yeah. secondary school is how long? Five. Oh, five years. So that's that's eleven years, years in total. And then you can't just get into university the same way I think you guys can. 
for us, we we need to do a pre-university course. So oh, I see. It's super detached from the public school type setting, and this is just public school. There, obviously, private schools and things like that that have a different system altogether. But yeah, the general one, which is the public school one, yeah, has requires you to do a pre-university course before university. So. So does your pre-university course uh, a separate from your second year, last year of secondary school? Yep, totally separate. It's complete isolation. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's another year, basically. Oh, it depends. Because if you go down different oh. routes, because you go down different routes, you get a different year. So if you, let's say, go down the public school route still, you get to do uh, an additional of two years. If you go through an A-levels route, um, it can vary according to what institute you go to. So it can take around like one and a half years to two years to two years and a half. It really depends. Then you can also go for something uh, cute like a diploma where you do like three years. So there are like, then of course there are a bunch of other options like vocational school and things like that. So yeah. I see. But then a bachelor's degree take approximately how long? Ah, so that also depends on, on where exactly you do it. So if you're doing it in a public university, it typically takes three, four years. It depends on the course as well, because medicine takes like, what, six years, five, six years. Yeah. And then there are other places where you can go private and finish it within. There are some places I've heard recently that finish it in two years. So that's scary. Yeah. And two to three years. Yeah. So technically, your, your pre university or pre-college years plus the actual years i think that that comprises our university years per se yeah it does and you know it's so sad that they haven't found ways to sort of incorporate the pre-university elements into the actual system so that we don't have to necessarily depend on a pre-university stage because it seems very counterintuitive in a way because uh-huh. you're down there finishing school but then you also are not technically finished enough finishing. to like yeah yeah so it's yeah we need a lot of reform on our end <laughs> yeah oh. but how do you get into university like getting your bachelor's yeah so it's all dependent on your pre-university uh, results yeah so that needs to be solid and if you obviously if you want to get into like better schools and you know more uh, highly ranked schools your secondary education then comes into play so you've got to make sure that that's solid as well so yeah really ultimately it really is dependent on the pre-university which is why it's it's so bizarre to me that it's so isolated but yeah that's just my opinion other people might differ you know i see i see in the philippines most universities or colleges have um have separate examinations for entering their university so if you're going to yeah. get your bachelor's, you need to take the exam and then they base it, aside from the exam, some schools base you base on your senior high school grades, which is basically the last two years of high school that you have. Some of them were the last three years, so including the last year of junior high school. I see. Yeah, that seems, I feel like that seems a bit more appropriate though I'm not too sure what is appropriate but I feel like that's, that's true <laughs> yeah that seems a bit more I feel like that is something I could sort of settle in with yeah but yes, yes. well as they say you know the 
there's greener pastures on the other side. So that's definitely true. You're right. You're right. Um, yeah, it's interesting that you've given us a quick overview on how the education system is like. It's it's nice to see that there's some sort of progression, and that you know there are mandatory um, the education is mandatory there to some extent where people are able to access it and you know have the rights to education not a lot of people have that especially in you know different southeast asian countries as well so yeah that's true i feel like in the philippines we really and maybe maybe it's also because of you know colonization here because they made they made schools very open and try to keep the kids in schools you know aside from you know of course having time to play outside they really require uh kids to be in school and to be educated because in our country it's very important to have your degree like even for the smallest temp jobs or openings in you know various stores around the country sometimes for the for the simplest things or the for the simplest jobs they require at least a two-year degree or a four-year degree so it's really important for filipinos to graduate especially college in order to secure kind of a stable job so i think it's also a reflection of the needs of society like for us because the workplaces require an educational background a diploma that's why people insist on continuing their education and sometimes it's a good thing because of course education is a good thing it's something that you build to yourself and then you keep for life but then again it's also problematic at some point because why would you need a bachelor's degree on accounting for a cashier job right when you think about that it's kind of doesn't weigh the same thing you know you could train as a cashier or you could train as a store clerk you don't need a business administration degree for that exactly right yeah so definitely right so there's kind of a um how can i say this inequity when it comes to employment as well because people who can do the exact same thing as you are doing but because they don't afford to get a baccalaureate degree or a diploma or even finish high school some of them they have trouble getting into those jobs that have a stable income even if they can do the exact same job the same way as other people do so there's also that perspective, of course. And when it comes to like keeping the youth in school, um, of course, it's a good thing because technically it's free. But, you know, because people are cramming into this public schools because they can't afford private schools that, you know, are more... I'm not saying that public schools are bad because technically I'm a... I'm a product of public school. Like I, I came from a public uh, elementary school. I came from a public high school, junior high, senior high. Even now, I'm in a public school. So I can't say it's bad. But what I'm saying is that um, 
people need to do better, you know, prove themselves worthy of that place in order to get to a good private school or to a good public school. When in fact, everyone, you know, deserves the right to have a good education, regardless of what school you get. So there's also that. Definitely, I totally agree. I feel like, you know, people who should, who do have the necessary skills to do a specific job should be given a chance to do so, despite the fact that they don't have a sort of prestigious academic background. Yeah, I guess ending on a final note and i'm so sorry we have to end because you know time i'd love to have you again but just ending on a final note what do you see or what is your hope for the education system in philippines um in the next maybe 10 20 years in light of covid and in light of the fact that you know there is this uh disparity in the way the job market works yeah i feel like as in general I feel like we need good governance because I really do hope that physical classes resume because there's a bigger tendency for kids nowadays to just drop out and not come back to school once it goes back to being physical, you know? I mean, this online setup is very difficult for everyone. Like, not everyone in the country has good Wi-Fi signal, has internet connection, has a device to connect to the internet per se. So this setup itself already alienates a lot of kids, a lot of people. And because of those or these times that are lost to them, maybe I, I fear that they won't have the motivation to come back to school once it's being open again. So I really hope for good governance because the pandemic response is very integral to kids going back to the classroom, kids continuing their education. Actually, us students having enough knowledge in order to graduate and become ready for the workforce. That's also another thing. Like how do we ensure that us who are who is in university or who are graduating are equipped enough with this online setup, you know, once the physical things of life resume. Awesome. That is a fantastic way to end this podcast. I'm so happy that you ended on that note. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. I, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. It's always a pleasure to work with you. Oh, thank you so much, Davina. It was very a good breather for me to actually talk about these things and also you know the new knowledge about malaysia's school system it's very interesting to me that you guys you know have this pre-collegiate course and all that okay thank you uh for all our listeners thank you so much for listening if you like uh, me if you like adrienne if you like the content that we just created don't forget to give us a bit of a follow and maybe tell a friend about it of course um Once again, this is Schooling the Podcast. I am your host, Davina. And thank you. Yeah, goodbye.